The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and fans, it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want even more action? Then get in on the experience, the thrill of the DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10, at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-HOPE-NY in New York. OPGR.org in Oregon. Call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. Another exciting championship Sunday is ahead of us in the professional tennis world. Of course, we've had seven events we've been monitoring here at Cracked Rackets this week. It starts with the two tour-level events on the women's side. And I'll tell you this, always a pleasure to see a Grand Slam champion in action. We'll have that on Sunday in Puerto Rose as Katarina Sinyakova, your 2022 U.S. Open doubles champion. Didn't think I was going to start there, did you, listeners? But no, Sinyakova, of course, the doubles champion and three double slams for her this season. She's taken on 2022 Wimbledon singles champion Elena Rabakina. That is certainly going to be a fun title match I want to talk about here on today's show. But perhaps the Grand Slam champion is not the headliner on this championship Sunday. I think it's got to be 17-year-old teenage sensation Linda Fruvertova. Fruvertova into her first tour-level final this week in Chennai was outstanding in wins over Gracheva, Podoroska, Rebecca Peterson this week. She's got to do it one more time in the final as she's going to take on third seed Magda Lynette. But again, Fruvertova, a player who has continued to deliver at the ITF level and then you know, slowly proceeds to raising her performance at the tour level. And now all of a sudden, not only is she inside the top 100 of the live rankings for the first time in her career, she's competing for her first WTA tour title. So if you can't get excited about that on a championship Sunday, I don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast. Of course, we've also got the 125K happening in Bucharest and then our four ATP challengers. We've been monitoring this week, whether it be in Kerry, in Poland, in Istanbul, in France. The fact that Dominic team is competing on Championship Sunday. I think that's a fact many 
tennis fans can get excited about. I think if you are a fan of this podcast, you are also likely a fan of college tennis and players like Dom Kopfer, the former number one player in the country for Tulane, who reaches the Carey Challenger final and now has a very exciting matchup against Michael Moe, who we know, win healthy, the 24-year-old American, belongs in the top 100 of the ATP rankings. It's just, can he sustain a six-month period of health? Certainly seems to be one of those good weeks this week in carry for Mo. And again, that team versus Umber in France, Mo versus Kopfer and carry, those are two challenger finals, not two tour-level finals this week. It speaks to the level of play on the challenger tour. Speaks to why we've been monitoring all of these events so closely. But of course, with that in mind, my plan here on today's show, not only to preview at least a little bit of each of those seven championship matches, but to offer my picks for Sunday's matches via the DraftKings Sportsbook. I've got two aces for you here on Sunday, and for what it's worth, via Linda Fruvertover and Elena Rabakina, we earned our first and lone victory on the week on Friday, so shout out to the two of them for staying live. Certainly something I have in the back of my mind as I begin today's show, but again, as always, I've got two aces for you. I want to make my case for each of those aces. All of these, obviously, picks involve Sunday's seven championship matches I've alluded to. So in the process, we'll get into the previews of these matches from a tactical perspective, from a statistics perspective. You all know the deal by now. With that said, shout out as always to our friends at DraftKings for their support. But with that said, let's get into it. Here are my picks, my GSP aces of the day for Sunday, September 18th. Let's start with Fruvertova. How can we not, how can she not be Ace number one for us here on this show. You look at the 17-year-old Fruvertova plus 190 underdog tomorrow as she takes on Magda Lynette for what it's worth via our friends at Tennis Abstract. We know Magda Lynette a 74.4% favorite according to the singles forecast, of course. Why is Magda Lynette such a significant favorite? It's because of the wealth of experience she has as opposed to Linda Fruvertova. You look for Magda Lynette in her career at the tour level Lynette, you know, this is not her first final. Now, it's her first final in a while, first since Joaquin back in February 2020, but you look for her now overall in her career. I believe this is her sixth tour-level singles final of her career, and, you know, certainly you look for Magda Lynette, 30 years old, currently sitting at number 67 in the rankings with her run this week. She's already gotten a nice boost. You look for Lynette now. She's going to end this season probably inside the top 50, currently sitting at at smack dab number 50 right now. That's a good place to be at 30 years old at this stage of your career. She's able to set her schedule however she really would like to. And again, that's the sort of freedom I think every professional tennis player aspires for. On the flip side, yes, I know this is Linda Fruvertova's first WTA level final. This was her first WTA level quarterfinal this week as well. But let's talk about what Fruvertova has done over the past few seasons in building to this point. You look for her last season goes 29 and 9 overall on the year and you know is able to make four different finals at the futures level. She loses her first two futures finals but then wins the final two uh in February. You look at how she was able to make uh you know a bunch of different runs earlier this season dipping her toes into tour level events, making the round of 16 in Miami, good wins over Mertens, Kavinich, Azarenka, good wins 
wins for her in U.S. Open qualifying before a win over Wang Xinyu, and then she bows out, of course, to Garbine Muguruza. But again, Fruvertova started at the ITF level early last season, 15K, 25K, worked her way up to the 60Ks, to the 100Ks. Now this year, again, has had that opportunity to play tour-level matches. You look for Linda Fruvertova now in the live rankings. She's into the top 100 for the first time in her career. 17-year-old currently ranks 97 in the live rankings. And I've mentioned this before. There were, coming into the week, four teenagers in the WTA Top 100. Goff, Jung Chin Wen, Radakanu, and Clara Tawson. There's now a fifth. Make room. Linda Fruvertova has worked herself with her results this season into the top 100 of the WTA rankings. And, you know, what has been so impressive for Fruvertova this week in uh, Shania, it's how well she's served. I mean, you look for her throughout the course of the week in her Peterson match. She faces just two break points overall against Gracheva. Yeah, she's broken three times, but fights off four of the seven break points that she faced against Podoroska in the semifinals, fights off 10 of the 15 break points that she faced. And while she struggled on the second serve, like just about any player would, or in particular, any teenager trying to play against the highest caliber level players in the world, Fruvertova's first serve, her game plan behind that first serve, she's just already prepared for success at this point of her career. Her ability to hit the various spots on serve, whether it's slice out wide on the deuce court to set up the plus one backhand, which is just a sneaky effective play for the 17-year-old, whether it's going into your body to set up the plus one ball on the ad, whether it's, again, mixing in the tee shots on both the ad and the deuce side, the fact that she is comfortable teeing off on her first strike with either the forehand or her backhand wing and that Fruvertova backhand is just absolutely delightful to watch her hit down the line throughout the course of these matches. I mean, you look for her in her semifinals. She had the most firepower on the court. Her backhand and honestly, her serve were the two biggest weapons against Nadia Podoroska. And while Podoroska was able to move Fruvertova side to side, able to make that match physical. Podoroska wasn't able to sustain that defensive physicality long enough to outlast Fruvertova. And if there's any concern for Linda Fruvertova going into tomorrow's final, it's certainly the fact that her match with Podoroska was as physical as it was, that it was two hours, 54 minutes. And in fact, even seeing that number once again, it makes me hesitate before offering this ace of the day. But I just think this is Linda Fruvertova's moment. And again, when I look at her matchup tomorrow with Magda Lynette, yes, Magda Lynette has had a fantastic season. You look uh, for the 30-year-old, what she's been able to accomplish this year. She's winning over 55% of her matches. And with her run this week now, uh, Magda Lynette, 32-23 overall on the year. That 58% per, uh, win percentage, while it doesn't sound immense, is actually the highest win percentage of Magda Lynette's career. Lynette holding 71% of the time. That's the average of a top 50 WTA player. And again, that uh, there's just a consistency in her depth, her aggression, the fact that physically she is so sound and you know able to track down that extra ball, able to play two and a half, three plus hours of tennis if need be. Now you look for Magda Lynette. Certainly it was a complete reversal of tails in her semifinal match. Lynette uh, advances to the final via a retirement from Katie Swan. Swan retiring three love down after she had played a couple of physical matches uh, throughout the course of the week and just some injuries had added up. But, you know, again, Fruvertova's coming off of a three-hour match. I know that. Lynette's coming off of 15 minutes on court. I know that as well. 
I just don't know what Magdalena is going to do to consistently hurt Fruvertova. And what I'm really hoping happens in this match, I want to be perfectly transparent with all of you Cracked Rackets fans, because I do think Fruvertova's first serve, the depth of her plus one ball, I trust its consistency more than I trust the totality of the things Magda Lynette will do to hurt Linda Fruvertova, spreading the court well, moving her side to side, any forehand that does sit short in the court. And there are times when Fruvertova's forehand sits short when it's attacked by pace. You know, Magda Lynette will make her pay for those things. Magda Lynette plays an efficient game style. Think of her as, again, a more linear, powerful Isla Tomjanovic, if that makes sense. She's the more powerful version of that Tomjanovic sort of litmus test player where there's no definitive weakness in their games. Yeah, the second serves are attackable, but again, you can say that about anyone. Uh, first serves are solid, hits their spots well, no win to be aggressive. I just think it hits a little flatter ball, does Lynette. But I like, again, I really like Fruvertova's ability to take away that Magda Lynette backhand because Lynette loves to change direction and drive that backhand down the line. But with the depth Fruvertova generates off of that wing, I think it's just going to be a little bit harder for Lynette to do that in this match. I also could see Fruvertova coming out swinging. And I know she you know, lost the first set six love to Garbine Muguruza. That was another opportunity where you think maybe she can come out swinging in that match. I think she, you know, again, if this match goes over two hours, I think Magda Lynette's winning it because to ask a 19-year-old, excuse me, 17-year-old to play five hours of tennis in two days, it's a big ask of anyone, let alone a teenager who's still not in their physical prime. That's why I think Fruvertova comes out hot. I think she comes out swinging. I think she comes out aggressive. And when she forces herself to be aggressive, again, typically only good things happen. I think Linda Fruvertova gets the job done. And I think plus 190 is just too much slack. So again, in the name of full transparency, what I'm really hoping happens is Fruvertova wins the first set. Lynette becomes a money line underdog. You bet on Magda Lynette to also win the match now and you win money no matter what happens in this battle. But I think I'm going to start on the Fruvertova side. I just, I like her backhand and her serve and how successful she's been in protecting that serve as the single, it's my single favorite characteristic within this match because there's not a lot of gaps between these two players. Again, no definitive weakness for either really to pick on. It's a battle of strength and strength, and I like the strengths of Fruvertova a little bit better than I do for Magda Lynette. But again, Lynette, 15 minutes of action, Fruvertova, two hours of action on Saturday. That said, Fruvertova is 17 years old. Always helps to be 17 years old when you have to play back-to-back matches. I'm going Fruvertova, plus 190, half a unit on it to win 0.95. Now, do I feel overwhelmingly confident in that pick? No, I do not. And again, Magda Lynette has the championship pedigree in comparison to Linda Fruvertova. Just to mention it again, not only was this Fruvertova's first final at the tour level, it's her first quarterfinal at the tour level. On the flip side, you look for Magda Lynette in her career at the tour level. This will be, and I know I alluded to this earlier, but this will be final number five for her of her career. First since February 2019. She's 2-2 in those finals. I'm going Fruvertova to push Lynette to two and three. I'm going Fruvertova to earn that definitive run. And, you know, while I don't think we will consider her a breakout star uh, at, during next season, even if she does continue to break out, continue to ascend the rankings, I think we here at Crack Rackets are all prepared for it. But I love the narrative. I like the weapons advantage. I'm going Fruvertova, plus 190 money line, half a unit to win 0.95. That's ace of the day, number one. Ace of the day, number two. We're going to go with an all-challenger 
parlay. We're going to go with two of the favorites here to win their challenger matches. And again, just to put the final bow on it, Fruvertova plus 195, Lynette minus 240. You can get Magda Lynette minus three and a half games as a minus 120 spread. It's a little rich. It's a little rich again. Plus or minus three and a half for Lynette, plus three and a half for Fruvertova is minus uh, 115. Again, little rich. It's just one too many games. If it was two and a half games, I may go through Vertova. If it was, you know, again, if Lynette was the underdog, I'd probably be betting on her in this scenario as well. Uh, I'm going to take the value. I'm going to go with through Vertova, the underdog, over 21 and a half games. I mean, I think if this match goes over and you're looking for a parlay, by the way, to drag that Magda Lynette money line down, I think if she wins this match, it is going to go three sets. I don't see it being a blowout in her favor. So I'd parlay the money line minus 240 with the over 21 and a half games you get. Pretty good odds on that. Plus 130 for a little money line over parlay. Interessante. Again, I'm leading through Vertova, though, though Magdalena at 74.4% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. But the two challenger players I'm looking at most closely here on Sunday, uh, two guys who, of course, we've seen compete quite a bit at the ATP level as well. In particular, a guy who's riding the momentum from his U.S. Open. I mentioned Katerina Sinyakova in the intro. How about Quarantine Mute, who, of course, comes from qualifying to make the round of 16 in New York? He has has ridden that success uh, and the momentum built from it this week in Poland. He, Mute, has uh, dropped just one set on his way to the Challenger Final. You look for Quarantine Mute. This is his second Challenger Final of the season, his second in the past three months. He won a Challenger in Lyon to start the month of June. And again, for Quarantine Mute now, who has won eight of his last nine matches and 10 of his last 12 matches overall. I mean, he needed that to get things back in the right track. He was 18 and 16 in 2021, now 31 and 15 overall this season. And, you know, very quietly, I mentioned the challenger title earlier this year. He's made a couple of semifinals as well at the challenger level. You may not remember this, but was a semifinalist in Adelaide to start the season. After falling out of the top 100 to start the summer, Quarantine Mute now back inside that top 100, set at number 84 uh, to begin the week with a title here tomorrow. He's back inside the top 75, which would be just a nice place to be for the 23-year-old Mute. Mute, who, you know, again, does the lefty overwhelm you with his power? Does he have the overwhelming weapon? No, but he is just going to move you. He spreads the court so well, plays the short angle so well, is a comfortable volleyer, comfortable, you know, playing on the run as well. Fantastic improvisational skills. There's a ton to like about the game of Quarantine Mute, who takes on the more limited, albeit more powerful, Dennis Novak tomorrow. You look for Novak, the Austrian, now 29 years old had a birthday at the end of August. He is into a challenger final for the second time this season as well. He actually reached a challenger final in Mirbush at the start of August, got knocked out by Zapata Morales in that final, but fairly solid season for Dennis Novak this year, 32 and 22 overall. Now he fell outside the top 100, but again, by reaching that challenger final in Mirabush, by reaching another challenger final here in Poland this week, uh, Dennis Novak inching closer and closer to re-entering the top 100 as Novak currently sits at number 110 in the live rankings and with a win tomorrow would move up to number 103 overall. 
I like the power tennis of Dennis Novak. I do. I like his ability to drive through the court. I like the fact that he is constantly looking to move forward regardless of the surface, that he's a quality mover going side to side. I don't love this matchup, though, for him. And while it's worth noting, Dennis Novak, 6-0 against lefties this season, 62-24 and for his career. Wow, 21-6. and at the challenger level as well. He has had success against left-handed players, and a lot of that is based on the predicate of uh, the success he has with his backhand. But I don't think he fares particularly well with the players who can get him stretched in this fashion. I think for Dennis Novak, if he's facing a guy, you know, again, who's bringing line drive power to him, who's trying to challenge that backhand wing with that line drive player uh, power, as some of the lefties he's faced, like a Max Martyr or a Ruben Bemelmans or a Yuri Vesley may try to do, that's not quarantine mute. Quarantine Mute is moving you side to side. Quarantine Mute is throwing short angles at you, not allowing you to hit with your feet set in the center third of the court. And I think that's the sort of player that Dennis Novak sh- struggles with when he's forced to hit that ball outside of his strike zone, when he's not able to dictate as comfortably from the center of the court. And I think Mute is moving well enough right now that he will be able to absorb that first strike of Dennis Novak, that he will be able to have Novak moving side to side and, you know, again, make this match less about the set script of each point and more about the improvisational things you do to adjust your way out of certain scenarios on the court. As you can tell, I'm leaning quarantine Mute. And for what it's worth, these two faced in a cha- uh, faced off in a challenger late in September last year. Novak, a 6-7-7-6-6-4 win over Mute on hard courts. The key word there is they were on hard courts. And this matchup uh, that they're about to play tomorrow happening on the clay. Now, for that reason, I like Quarantine Mute that much more. I think Novak's a little bit better of a, I mean, he's a good mover on the clay courts. There's no doubt about that. But I think he's even more fluid and a little bit more dangerous on the faster surface that is the hard court. I think the creativity, well-rounded nature, and again, the game style of spreading the court on this surface, I think for that reason, I am leaning Quarantine Mute tomorrow. For what it's worth, Mute also a minus 260 favorite according to the money line. You look according to Tennis Abstract, uh, Quarantine. Mute tomorrow, a 69% favorite against Dennis Novak. I know Novak beat him. And again, even saying this out loud, back to back, I look at it, 21 and 6 against lefties at the challenger level. The fact that he beat him in three sets a couple of months ago. I think it's really hard, as I've said, to beat a player twice in a row, uh, twice in a span of a couple of months. Uh, in professional tennis. And again, it's a different surface this time from uh, when they last faced off. And I, I just, I like this matchup for Quarantine Mute. This is an eye test thing. If you've watched him play this week, having dropped just the one set, I think he is playing extraordinarily well. And, you know, you look for Dennis Novak. He has dropped just one set this week as well. He spent a little bit more time on court this week uh, than Mute has. Mute coming off of an hour and a half victory over Shevchenko. Uh, his opponent, Novak, was on court a little over two hours in his semifinal victory on Saturday. So give me Quarantine Mute to capture the challenger title this week in Poland. Minus 260 money line. Again, if you're looking for the game spread, you can get Mute at a decent number, you know, minus three and a half games at minus 135. But 
Novak's been serving well. And again, I just I want Mute to cover more than I expect him to win this. I, I expect him to win the match more than I expect him to win the match, I should say, in straight sets. So give me quarantine Mute's money line more than anything else. If you want to throw in the over 21 and a half games minus 110, I can understand that. But I'm going to mix him with Radu Elbot. As Radu Elbot reaching the final this week in Istanbul, he will take on Lucas Rosal. You look, Elbot, a 70.9% favorite according to Tennis Abstract, minus 260 favorite as well as he takes on Rosal. You look for Rosal. He hasn't won a challenger title since when? February 2020. No, that was the last time he made it to a challenger final. He hasn't won a challenger title since July 2018. And of course, Lucas Rosal was a former top 30 player in the world back in 2014. And you look now for the, what, 37-year-old, I believe now, is Lucas Rosal. Obviously still an outstanding doubles player. Obviously still in the top 350 of the singles rankings. The man can ball, and he's had some success at the ITF level this season. But outside of Lucas Rosal's first-round victory over James Duckworth this week, this is who he's matched up against. A 2022 version of Robin Hassa, Laurent Lacoli, who's pretty solid, the Frenchman, and then Corey Kiersey, the, the wild card, who had a dream week this week in Istanbul. With all due respect, none of those players are Radu Elbot. And while it's been a tough year for Radu Elbot, he's fallen outside the top 100. He was 108 entering the week. Now again, with this title run, should get back or with this run to the final. Excuse me, should get back inside the top 100. But you look for Radu Elbot. When did he win his last Challenger final? Uh, November of last season. When was the last time he made a Challenger semifinal? August 2022. Again. I think this is just a, a, a significant lift in level of competition for Lucas Rosal than he's seen the rest of this week. And you look for Rosal against top 100 players over the past 52 weeks. He's 1-3 overall, went 0-4 against the top 100 in 2021, went 5-9 against the top 100 in 2019. I just think Elbot is going to be able to get the return back in play and way previous opponents weren't against Rosal this week. And then I just think, again, the physicality Elbot brings to the match. I don't think Rosal is going to be able to sustain that 4-3 set. So even if this match gets tight, and again, maybe you like the over 21 and a half games at minus 120, I like Elbot to cover. I like these two favorites more than I like any two favorites otherwise on the board. I do like Rabakina minus 325 over Sinyakova. It's just a little too much juice, and I didn't want to play with the three-leg parlay. So give me Mute. Elbot, all challenger parlay. I'll take both of their money lines, minus 260 each. You parlay them together, minus 109, 1.09 units to win one in return. That sounds like an ace of the day to me. Now, of course, your other finals going on on the day since we're talking challengers to quickly wrap up the rest of Championship Sunday's action. Talk about a fun matchup between Dom Kopfer and Michael Moe. Again, Michael Moe, has been a top 100 player. Whenever he's healthy, he seems to go on these month runs where he makes a couple of challenger finals, wins a challenger title in there, and we all get excited only for, unfortunately, the injury bug to bite him again. Let's take it on the lefty, Dom Kofer, who's been in the top 100 for the majority of the past few seasons and just, again, has moved the ball around the court so well throughout the course of his victories this week in Kerry. This match is going to get physical, and more than anything else, and 
Kopfer finished late at night, so I didn't have the bets in front of me uh, when I was making my picks. I see it now. Um, Kopfer's over 22, uh, over 22 games, minus 110. This match to go three sets. I really like that bet. I think this match gets physical. I think both guys can win free points on the serve. I think that's going to be a really fun battle. Uh, I would lean with Dom Kofer, who, as wouldn't would have it, is a minus 185 money line favorite. But that's a really fun match. I mean, Dominic Team versus Ugo Umber. Talk about just did Ugo Umber desperately need this run and just need this ending to the season. You look for Umber, he's back into the top 125 with his run this week, had fallen outside the top 140 at one point this season. Umber now, after reaching the semifinals at the Vancouver Challenger, he reached semifinals El Espinar Challenger, semifinals in Pazablanco earlier this summer. He's just started to gain some confidence. He started to win again on court. And for him, you know, he's yet to drop a set this week. Impressive wins over Brower, Goyavchek, Antoine Bellier as well. I mean, look, this is an indoor hard court battle. And on indoor hard courts, lefty versus a one-handed backhand, Umber, the way he'll slap and the pace and, you know, again, get ball, you know, pressure the big backswings of his opponent tomorrow. Of course, that opponent is Dominic Team. And it's an interesting matchup because of the one-handed backhand, because of the surface, because of the particular challenge Umber presents from a tactical standpoint to team who needs a little bit more time to get into his backstrokes and take those big cuts at the ball. Umber, if he does anything well, it's take time away. Sometimes it's time away from himself when the errors start piling up. But you know, in the first five balls, Ugo Umber is gunning it. I mean, Team's a 65.1% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. He's a minus 110 underdog tomorrow. Ugo Umber, minus 120 money line favorite. Now, it's a half game spread either way, which means essentially it's a pick em. The over for this match, 22 and a half games. That means they're saying, yeah, we're pretty sure this one's going to go three sets. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good bet because, again, if Umber executes on serve, he is a lefty, has the sort of weapons on this surface, plays with the sort of definitiveness to pressure the game style of Dominic Team. And you look for Team good wins over Gaston, over Andreeve, over Penniston this week. He's gained some confidence, no doubt about it. Does he have one more match left in the tank uh, against Ugo Umber? Again, I would take the over if I was going to bet that match, but... I'm not going to bet that match. That's a stay away from me, at least. Again, I'm going to enjoy it. Both Mo Kopfer, Team, Umber, but it's a stay away from me because, to be honest, they're too close in my opinion. Of course, in Bucharest, Arena Camilla Begu may not lose a set on her way to the title. And so far, the most games Begu has lost is four thus far in this tournament. She's taken on Rika Lukayani, who's looking for the biggest title of her career. Begu coming off of a 2-2 two and two win over Irani Yani, an impressive 5-6 and six victory over Zanevska, but a match that was two and a half hours in length as such. Begu, minus 900 favorite according to the money line. And honestly, that match is going to be off the board soon because it's a minus five and a half game spread. And, you know, that's even that is minus 130. That's how confident they are that Bagu will win. I am equally confident that she will as well. Last one on the day, of course, Portoros, Sinyakova, Rabakina. Rabakina, four and two in her career against Sinyakova, 70.6% favorite, th- minus 325 money line, minus four and a half game spread at minus 125. Sinyakov's had a really good week. She's capitalized on the momentum, the confidence she built in New York, winning that U.S. Open doubles titles. And, you know, good wins for her over Trevisan, over Barrage, over Jasmine Paulini, 7-6 in the third. And then she ends the run of Annalena Qu- uh, Friedsam in the quarterfinals. 
Look, Sinyakova's got weapons, and as the impressive doubles player that she is, I don't think we have to. I don't think I need to make the pitch for her as a returner, her ability to drive that return deep into the court and to pressure the weapons, not allow Rabakina to cle- uh, tee off cleanly from the center of the court. Now, the question is, how will Sinyakova handle the pace of Rabakina? Will that produce additional errors? And, you know, even against an against a grinding opponent, Katarina Sinyakova, prone to making waves of unforced errors in her matches. Can't give Elena Rybakina anything for free because if you miss those second serve returns and, you know, now all of a sudden she's up 30-15 instead of 15-30, well, she's going to hit two aces. And now the the game is over and all of a sudden you find yourself down on the scoreboard. Um, Again, I like the power tennis of Rybakina. She's got the biggest weapons on the court. She looked really good in a one-on-one win over Anna Bogdan in the semifinals and has slowly started, you know, playing better. I thought that was her best match of I thought she slowly progressed, you know, was not great in her 7-6 in the third win over Siegemund round 1, was much better over Martin Sova in round 2, played her best match in the semifinal against Bogdan, which was her third match of the tournament after the withdrawal she got in the quarterfinals. I also do wonder for Sinyakova you know, you play the championship a week ago at the U.S. Open on Sunday. You've now played five singles matches or four singles matches this week. This is your fifth. Is this where the body breaks down? Is this where mentally, again, there's just a slight lapse? Rabakina goes up an early break, and all of a sudden the errors start to pile up for Sinyakova. So I actually don't mind the Rabakina minus four and a half games at minus 120. She wins bigger than four and four, or, you know, she wins one blowout set. Like that covers that four and a half game spread. I would have loved to throw her minus 325 into something. Maybe you throw it in with one of those NFL games on the schedule on Sunday. But I'm going to pick Rabakina to win the event. I'm going to stay away from a betting perspective from the match. But with that said, that's your preview of Championship Sunday in the professional tennis world. Of course, again, if you want in on the action, turn to our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. A shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. Thank you.